0: Hello and welcome to Arise of RevOps. This episode features an interview with Bobby Jafari, Chief Revenue Officer at Iterable. Iterable is a cross-channel marketing platform that powers unified customer experiences and empowers you to create, optimize, and measure every interaction across the customer journey. Bobby is a highly accomplished revenue leader with over 20 years of experience in sales and business development for SaaS and cloud software companies. He joined Iterable from Freshworks, where he helped the company transform from a startup to a publicly traded organization. As CRO, Bobby leads Iterable's sales, customer success, and revenue operations functions. And he works to refine and grow the customer-focused sales structure across the organization. In this episode, we talk to Bobby about aligning executive leadership around RevOps, the importance of understanding the company and the customer journey as a whole, and why revenue operations is the glue within an organization. But first, a brief word from our sponsor.
1: Rise of RevOps is brought to you by Qualified. Qualified's Pipeline Cloud is the future of pipeline generation for revenue teams that use Salesforce. Learn more about the Pipeline Cloud on qualified.com.
0: And now, please enjoy this interview with Bobby Jafari, Chief Revenue Officer at Iterable, and your host, Ian Faison.
1: Welcome to Rise of RevOps. I'm Ian Faison, CEO of Caspian Studios, and today I'm joined by a special guest. Bobby, how are you? Good. Thanks for having me, Ian. Yeah, excited to have you on the show, excited to chat about Iterable and all the cool stuff y'all are doing from a revenue perspective, from a RevOps perspective, and all that stuff. You've been with the company... Uh, not super long, so it's a, it's an exciting time to sort of jump in right before that 90-day mark to see how it's been going in your approach to coming to the company. But before we get into all of that
2: stuff, how did you get started in revenue? For me, it's been a long journey. Uh, I've spent about 20 years in what you would call now SaaS in various revenue leadership positions, leading individual sales teams all the way to running an entire business segment for a now publicly traded company to where I am today at Iterable, running the revenue operations function within Iterable. So it's been about a 20 year journey. Like I said, multiple roles and functions, uh, primarily focused on go to market. And obviously I've seen uh, revenue operations evolve over that time as well. So excited to talk about it. Yeah, so what's your definition of RevOps? Yeah, I think, first of all, RevOps is a what I would maybe call a more recent, maybe last several years type of um, new definition. I think if we look back at least in earlier part of my career 20 years ago, you defined it as sales operations and then you had finance operations function in a different part of an organization. You had marketing operations sitting within marketing. And I think as companies evolved and SaaS became the market that it is today, you know, a lot of leaders started to look at sort of when you look at revenue across the entire business, whether it's direct business, indirect business through channels, marketing, and how all of these teams work together. I think the revenue operations role, which, like I said, maybe started as sales operations many years ago, evolved into what it is today is looking at the entire business, you know, not only go-to-market business, but also from a finance lens as well, looking at all of that under a, a lens of how do you operate revenue across all of these different areas that businesses drive their revenue in. and And so that's the evolution that I've seen happen. Yeah, and we'll get
1: into more in a sec how you sort of think about building a, a RevOps team. Zooming out, what does Iterable
2: do and who are your customers? So Iterable is one of the most powerful customer engagement platforms that enable brands, brands that we all use every day to engage with their customers by personalizing data and, and communicating with customers in across various channels. So uh, as an example, someone like DoorDash all of us use at least i use DoorDash and significantly over the last few years no <laughs> i don't use uh i'm i got to say dash pass was like <laughs> the, the, the
1: the ultimate saver i have a i have an 18 month old kid and uh the wife and i
2: we've made use of our of our dash pass membership that is for sure exactly so so what iterable does we enable brands like DoorDash to understand their customers by understanding how their customers engage with their brands, So we look at a lot of that data and we understand the nights that, for example, Ian likes to go out with his family and either go out to dinner or order dinner in. And so that we understand a lot of that data and then we engage based on that personal level with you through email, through SMS, through push notifications, all of that stuff to various places. So we basically enable our brands to communicate with our customers in a personalized way. And so obviously, you know, coming into the role as CRO,
1: how did you think about revops? Like what what was that a priority for you coming into the role thinking about how you wanted to build your team? What was your thought process coming into the job?
2: First of all, I'm I'm the first CRO for Iterable, and I think one of the one of the reasons for that is as the business has evolved and as the business has matured over the last 10 years, there's a lot of different avenues of revenue that have sort of formed, right? You've got your direct business, new business um, side of uh, revenue. You've got your channels and partnerships. You've got your customer success organization. And these organizations were functioning great, but they were fun- functioning in a very siloed manner. That where they were led by different leaders, and as the business was looking to sort of go into that next stage of growth, one of the things that was important for Iterable and for me was for someone to come in and take a look at the entire business, the entire customer journey, from the time we market to them all the way to how we manage that relationship under one organization and one of the biggest things for me and i think for iterable as well what was very important was you know what is the strategic function that enables the revenue leader to do that, to be able to understand the business as a whole, and that is revenue operations. And so we folded revenue operations into the entire CRO organization. And, and so for me, and I can, you know, whether it's at iterable or previously, when I was at my previous company, revenue operations was the most strategic function for me. It is my right hand function, right hand person, as I look at the business across all of the different various functions and how we operate the business and how we look at it, all the strategic decisions we have to make all comes with my partnership with my revenue operations organization. So, you know, we folded all of that into one organization um, so that we can have one view across the entire go-to-market motion.
1: Yeah, so sales, marketing, sales ops, marketing ops, and customer success ops, being in one place or is there any sort of turmoil of like pulling those out of those individual functions or is it you know you feel like that that the important part there is to have it all in one
2: place so that you're viewing the whole life cycle yeah no I think look you know I, I the people of iterable have been great, right not only in the two months that I've been here i've been I've been speaking with the iterable team for several months, and so I think everyone has sort of this common goal of we have to grow the business, and so you know I think everyone understood that you know why it's important to have this in one place that's number one, but we also As a business, as an entire business, we actually run a phenomenal OKR process. And so a lot of things that we do as a business, we align around our objectives, our annual objectives that we do and the quarterly KRs that we run. And so we get the entire, you know, all the GTM functions aligned around our OKRs and it works generally well. I think there's obviously nuances between all of these different functions, right? Between, like you mentioned, customer success ops or marketing ops. I think ultimately revenue operations does support variety of different functions. So they have customers between, you know, different BU leaders like our CMO or our head of product, even, right? Because we uh, revenue operations also at Iterable runs business insights, so. A lot of insights that we want to get for our product leaders will come from the business insights team. Not only the sales ops piece of it or the or the channel ops or the or the CS ops, but also broader business insights. So, you know, it does it does certainly take a lot of work for our revenue ops leader to to make sure that teams are aligned, but I think we do a phenomenal job of, like I said, managing all of our business through the OKR process, which has helped keep everyone aligned.
1: How, like So how do you think, is it unique to your organization? Is this kind of like, I know this is how, how, how you're building it, but do you think that this is something that other CROs or other RevOps teams should sort of mirror? Does it depend on you know your organization, or is this sort of like the best practice that you see out there right now?
2: Well, look, every organization is different, right? And my personal belief is Revenue under one leader does make a significant difference. And so I think that's the starting point of getting the executive leadership team aligned around why that's important. And then obviously the revenue operations um, is the glue that brings it all together. I do think that when you have a broad revenue organization, a revenue operations uh, organization in a business, like I said, that handles sales, Marketing, uh, CS, and all of the business insights. What I'm learning, even at Iterable for me, is organizational alignment around our key objectives, right? That we want to drive. I think that to me, even in my two months here, I've, I've seen what difference that makes. I think a lot of organizations sort of aspire to do really good OKRs. This is probably one of the best places that I've seen it operate in. In my two months, one, I was involved in last quarter's OKRs, but we're also in the process of FY24 planning. So we're defining our OKRs for, uh, or at least our O's and KRs for Q1 of next year. And so I'm in sort of the, the middle of that right now. And I think that is the piece that is, in my mind, getting the executive team aligned around that, that makes a significant impact on just making sure that this function, this revenue operations function, is is tightly aligned to the company's objectives, right? And I think that's the piece to me that getting that alignment uh, between the executive leadership team makes a m- makes a big difference in how that how the revenue operation team operates. Any interesting
1: learnings in the in, in the first two months in terms of you know setting this up or setting up a new
2: rev team and corralling all those assets into one place? As a revenue leader and as someone who prior to coming to Iterable I built a business for Freshworks that you know essentially in in the Americas region right I led the the entire business as president of Freshworks Americas I built a business that was at the time when I joined about 35 million and this year Freshworks will be a 500 million dollar business obviously Americas being 50% of that overall revenue so uh, you know building a business from the ground up and understanding All of the strategic things you have to make a decision on, right? Uh, You know, how you do segmentation, how you do territories, how you do your compensation plans. Those are things that I had to do in that previous role. And instead of just leading a sales team or leading a customer success organization, a lot of the strategies that had to be defined and executed of building that business really sort of helped me get deep into the op side of things, right? How do we ensure that, you know, territories are balanced as much as possible? How do we make sure quotas are balanced? How do we make sure all of the the sort of the key things that operations, revenue operations focuses on is ensuring that there's a predictable way of achieving numbers. That's the piece to me that's important for CROs to really sort of get deeper into and and really sort of get a lot more deeply engaged. And so I think as a CRO, if you're able to get into the details and the operating part of the role, I think it helps you set the foundation of how the entire revenue role executes its plan, right? So I think that level of engagement for a revenue leader is to me the difference that I notice in people really understanding the role and how to execute it. All right, let's get to our first segment, Rev Obstacles. Obstacle, obstacle. An obstacle to
0: what? There's your obstacle.
1: Where we talk about the tough parts of RevOps. What are the key challenges
2: that, that you think RevOps leaders are facing right now? Yeah, I think, well, one of them I highlighted, right? I think it's, there are so many different stakeholders and it's really tough for a revenue operations leader when you've got so many different customers, right? So many different leaders that you've got to, and so- Aligning that to OKRs is number one. I think that that's one of the biggest things. I think data is, is the other piece of it, right? We get data from a lot of different places. And, you know, you, a lot of times you hear people say, Hey, well, the data tells me this versus this. it's not that the data tells you. It's just how you define how you're looking at the data, the period of data you're looking at. So I think that piece of like, looking at data and trying to make sense of what the data is telling you it requires a lot of work it requires a lot of analysis a lot of work by the teams that that capture the data and put that data together so i think those two along with sort of just making sure that that you have a a strategic plan that that is achievable i think that's the hardest thing right i think all of us as revenue leaders you know i think there's a even with a down market and everything that's happening in macroeconomics, there is an expectation and rightfully that we drive revenue and we continue to maintain a high level of growth in, in our business. And so, I think, obviously, the revenue operations leader feels that just as much as the CRO does, right? I know my RevOps leader, you know, we're always constantly thinking about how do we maintain this level of growth, right? And so I think that sort of that challenge that you're always faced with is how do you maintain growth? How do you sort of make sure teams are set up for success? How do you have a predictable model around forecasting and all of that? I think those are the things that really sort of make the job more challenging, but, but that's, it sort of comes with the territory. So, um, I think it's, it's more of just that those are the things that, that, you know, myself and my revenue ops leader are constantly thinking about.
1: You know, you talked a lot about like, OKRs and aligning objectives for, for sales, marketing, and CS, like under revenue. I think that most companies are, are sort of moving in that direction and understanding that those three functions, like how important they all are, especially if you have like a self-serve function and marketing's like, Owns a number or something like that. I'm curious, like, how you think about aligning objectives around seasonality as well? Because part of the thing, it seems like for those three different departments, is you know, end of quarter obviously always brutal for sales. End of year obviously always brutal for for everybody. But marketing a little bit more flexibility there in terms of you know how they're running campaigns and how you can divert resources. Like at the end of the day. I think most RevOps leaders are like, I only have so much time and bandwidth in the day. So like we have to triage. And if it's always sales that wins, or if it's always CS that wins, or you know, if it's always sort of uh like new logo creation that wins, like other people do suffer and there's a little bit of a fixed pie there. So curious how you think about other ways to split the pie to make it more even and have all three functions get get some attention.
2: Yeah. Look, I, I, I'm personally feeling that, right? I mean, I think for all the great things that we've done in aligning these different functions, I like to be deeply involved in the business in all aspects, you know, in both the marketing stuff, the sales, CS partnerships. And so, you know, for someone like me, I currently have 11 direct reports. These are all senior leaders in the business and, and just digging into each part of the business and making sure that we're functioning and you know, we're aligned on what we're trying to go achieve. It's a tough task. I do think like anything else, I think having a strong leadership team that understands like what they need to go achieve in those functions is critical because you can't spread yourself across all of these things equally. Right. So I think that's obviously a given that you have to have a really strong leadership. But I do think that the one area I've personally have really emphasized on in the last couple of months that I've been here is really alignment between myself and our chief marketing officer, and really just making sure that that those two functions are completely aligned around what we're going to do. Because there's so much stuff that we do around sales and marketing, both in our new business, partnerships, and customer success, that marketing gives us air cover, you know, whether we're putting on events, or whether we're putting on a dinner, or we're doing broad based marketing campaigns They're nurturing. I think that to me is extremely important. So, you know, the sales leaders, the CS leaders, I think those folks are just making sure that, that the, the marketing function is tightly aligned. I, I haven't been perfect at it in my career, right? I think there's always been that friction between sales and marketing. And, and I'm trying to break that. I'm trying to make sure that's a true partnership for someone like myself, just to make sure that we're operating at you know, the, the best possible way to make sure the teams are aligned in that because marketing for, for all the challenges we have on the sales side, marketing is probably the one area that, you know, generally in the downturn, you know, they get impacted by, and they get really questioned on, Hey, what is, what is the ROI on this spend? We're going to spend a million dollars. How do we ensure? And so marketing touches so many things, and so we're constantly working with RevOps and just trying to make sure that we can show ROI and where marketing is impacting revenue, right, both maybe directly or indirectly and the attribution and all of that. So so that's a piece that really between myself, our CMO, and our head of revenue operations, we're constantly trying to make sure that we can talk to our CFO and say, no, no, we are seeing impact in the outcomes of what marketing is doing by the following, right? I mean, I'll give you an example. and know one of the things we talked about is this is really tough for a lot of businesses, right? Because you know CFOs constantly saying, "Hey, how do I how do I make sure I'm getting the return on this?" Right? And so we get into this debate of attribution. How does attribution? And you know, last quarter we had a fantastic quarter. We probably had a dozen very large deals, ranging from three hundred thousand to three four million dollars a year per contract. And so a lot of these customers came to our user conference event in September and every leader spent time with these customers. And so, or prospects at the time. Right. And so marketing drove a lot of that, you know, that put that customer over that decision to move forward with iterable was spending time with the leadership team, with the various functional leaders, just to make sure they felt good. Marketing drove a lot of that. Right. So how do you attribute the cost of that event to you know, to the the impact that it had in closing those deals. So that's that's a lot of the work that you know you typically will do between those key functions to make sure that you're able to back up the data.
1: It's a great story, and I think it speaks to the fact that the data will tell you whatever you want to hear. <laughs> you know, if if you if you if you poke it hard enough and long enough, right? It's like it's gonna it's gonna tell you what you want to hear. And I think that that's the hard part. When you're trying to tie together sales and marketing, is like there's so many sort of like the ghost stats that you don't see that you're not measuring. That it's like, hey, what? Just for an example, it's like our outbound marketing, like this works. You know, we send 10,000 emails and we get you know drive X amount of business because like you know two percent of people are clicking on them and you know whatever. And it's like yeah, but also 98 percent of people are just really annoyed by your sales team that they keep reaching out, right? So like there is there are all these other things that have to be measured where something like a user conference where all those people were already in pipe but that pipe was now actually closed and it was influenced by this event but it wasn't the final thing that drove them over the edge or was it and that's where i think that a lot of RevOps leaders like you have to look at that information and not be draconian and say like like the event caused all this stuff what's well, like no but maybe it accelerated or maybe like so maybe we need to do smaller batch events that occur you know every month in different geograph, like you know geographies to you know accelerate slower deals or whatever whatever you whatever it it um sort of experiment test result sort of thing and, and not just make like sweeping generalizations and i feel like that's that is one of the big pitfalls of RevOps is to say like, hey, I think we found something really statistically significant and you take it to finance and they're like, yep, that's it, triple down. And, and yeah, to say like, wait a second, that's not like the silver bullet, you know, just because this one, this one function or this one thing was working, like, oh, quadruple down on just that thing. It's like, no, we did 15 different plays. That was one of the plays that we can measure really easily, but
2: that wasn't the entire reason. Yeah, yeah. No, I think you're spot on, right? Because I think when you look at a customer's buying journey and what they went through, you know, the people who came to this event, there was so much work we had done in acquiring that customer, getting them into the pipeline, getting them engaged. There's so many different parts of, and so, yeah, no, obviously, you know, it's, it's very easy to look at the end result and say, this is what did it. But I think it's that It's that influencing fact that you try to figure out, yeah, look, I wish there was a silver bullet that you could say, this is the one thing and you can spend all your dollars here and you're gonna get that, but that's not realistic. That's not how customers buy. That's not how customers engage with you. There's a variety of things, right? What marketing does on the website, what they do in nurturing, how we support current customers. You know, we, we have a lot of customers who talk to their peers and they say, what are you doing to engage your stuff? And it's, you know, it's what we do in our customer marketing side of things and how we market what our customers do. Like what I mentioned earlier about how DoorDash, you know, uses Like DoorDash is a great example. They talk to a lot of our customers about here's what we do. And here's, we run our entire platform on, on iterable. And I think that that's also a component. So yeah, no, it's really tough to just narrow down to one little area and double click. Although that would be, that would be great.
1: It would be. Just a quick follow-up question on the CFO piece, because I know that this is a, this is something that obviously every CRO faces and is a, a difficult decision. And part of the thing that is frustrating when you're talking to the CFO is every second that you're speaking to them, trying to justify all the stuff that you're doing, you're not actually working on all those things, but it's obviously a key part of the business to be able to hit projections and do all that stuff. And that's their job. But how do you find that balance to say, like, you know, hey, are we going to just spend every day trying to to justify our existence, or or can we just actually go do the work?
2: Yeah, no, I think. Look, um, just like I mentioned at a business level, you have to have key metrics that you're tracking towards, right? The, the OKRs, whether it's here or previously, I think you got to get aligned on what the what the revenue metrics is. You know, is it the magic number? Is it the payback period? Whatever that is that you've got to get alignment with your CFO on you've got to work towards that and that's the metric that you're tracking towards right if the if the magic number is what the CFO cares about and you know the the CAC and you know obviously the payback then then everything else is sort of feeding into that right so i think i think getting alignment on that is is critical you know once once you get alignment on that and you both sort of agree that look yes ideally we want to get to a payback of you know, this, the following this year, you know, sometimes it's your first year you're investing in, you know, maybe scaling a new segment. And so payback on that segment is going to be different, right? You're going to go into the enterprise segment and you're going to take a bet and your payback is going to go from, you know, from 12 months to 18 to 24 months because it's enterprise. You get alignment on that with your CFO while you still you know, say, hey, our mid-market business or our SMB business to pay back is, you know, 12 months, and maybe we're going to try to get it down to 11 months. So I think those are the things that you want to, you know, it's like anything else, right? It's aligned around the key metrics you want to track, then then agree on it, Right. And then you track towards it and you're not constantly sort of debating what the metric should be right and so that's that to me is to me the way that i found it to be most productive of like working with my cfo And so that that's really sort of what we've aligned on. Look, easier said than done. When you have a fantastic quarter and things are looking great, it's an easy conversation. When you have a rough quarter and you don't hit those things, it's a different conversation. But I think I think that's the that's the world we all live in. And at the end of every everything else that you throw out, it's all about execution, right? So a lot of times we spend time on what are the leading indicators that we need to focus on to make sure that we can hit the numbers and you know the, the pipeline metrics, the conversion rates, the enablement, a lot of things that we need to do for the revenue teams to make sure that that happens. But that's, that's really sort of where I try to make my, my time and you know the time we spend with RevOps and the sales leaders.
1: And we're gonna get more into metrics here in a second in our next segment, The Tool Shed. Hey, hey Brandon, Michael, wanna do me and mom a favor, get off that shed? This is my favorite place, the tool shed.
2: Get off the shed!
1: Where we're talking tools, spreadsheets, metrics, just like everyone's favorite tool, Qualified. No B2B tool shed is complete without Qualified. Go to qualified.com right now to learn more. Check them out. We love Qualified. They're the best. Go to qualified.com to learn more and fill out your tool shed. Let's talk about your tool shed a little bit here. Starting with metrics, what metrics matter to you? You talked a bunch
2: about uh, how important they are. Yeah, so I think there's a variety of things, right? I think when it comes to the sales function, we talk a lot about, obviously, what is our pipeline coverage by segment? You know, I think it's easy to say, hey, we need to have 4X pipeline, but that's not always the case, right? So we look at each segment that we have, you know, at Iterable, we have a... SMB mid-market and enterprise segment. And so obviously the, the pipeline conversions and pipeline coverage are all different for those segments. And we spend a lot of time on just, you know, figuring out what those metrics are, but it's around pipeline needed, how much pipeline we need to add on a weekly basis. And so to get our pipeline to a healthy state and then obviously work on the conversions. Conversions are, you know, th- they can vary also in different segments in the enterprise segment for us. You know, when you get into half a million to three, $4 million deals, the conversion rates are different than $50,000 average deal size in our mid-market segment. So that's primarily what we focus on. And then on CS, we have different metrics. So those are the primary ones that we look at is is around pipeline and and conversions. Not to say that any leaders are tools here in in the tool shed section, but I am curious,
1: you know, the key part of building a tool shed is choosing a leader that's going to manage it. Uh, I'm curious, like, how do you think about hiring a, a rev leader like what do you look for in a rev ops leader what what are the qualifications and the things that that you would say like that's someone who I
2: want on the team well i think for me overall anyone i hire in the organization whether it's a revenue ops leader or s- sales leader even an individual contributor like i you know i i generally look for people who have a growth mindset, right? Who either have been part of a growth story before and they know what that feels like or, you know, just the way they run their business, they think about growth. And so I think that's number one. I I think particularly for a revenue office leader, like you want the person to be able to think what is possible, right? Because when you're in that role, you want to just look at data and say, data tells us we can only grow at, you know, whatever, X. And I think you want that leader, you know, that person that says, but why can't we go 10, 20 percent higher? Right. And so I think growth mindset is obviously very important for me. Obviously, somebody who who can who can roll up their sleeves and and really get into the data and not just only relies on their analyst to do a lot of the work. I think that's that's also very important. And then I I, I really look for somebody who's my, like I said, who's my right hand person. It's my strategic counterpart. That I can bounce a lot of ideas off of and, you know, they can give me the data mindset, but they can also say, I think if we stretch this, we can have this type of outcome. So I think just that strategic partner that I can lean on and have candid conversations with and have somebody who can push back on me and, and challenge my thinking. I think that's really somebody I look for in this role that I'm in right now where I'm only two months in. I have my ideas and I'm maybe naive about what's possible. So it's good for somebody to push back on me. But I I do like that sort of back and forth and sort of like help push the entire organization towards more of a growth mindset. Do you have any
1: examples of something that that happened in the pipeline that you noticed wasn't working that that you fixed?
2: You know, I tell my team here, maybe it's I'm a bit of a control freak. And I like to get into the details and and you know i'm asking a lot of questions of why why is it like that why did we do this i think i think sometimes when you build models and you're building a revenue model and you're building the the growth model right and saying hey we need x amount of opportunities we need x amount of conversion you sort of have those key metrics around how much pipeline you need what your conversion rates are and You don't look deep enough in like, hey, how many accounts are we assigning to the team? And how many accounts are we focused on on a monthly and quarterly basis? You know, sometimes the math doesn't add up, right? And so, you know, and so that that that's the piece to me, at least as a CRO, I like to be deeply involved in a lot of those details to make sure that I understand it and what we're doing makes sense, right? One, because it's been a long time. But 20, 22 years ago, I was a sales rep. So thinking always goes back to how do we make these salespeople successful? Right? What do they need to do? Of course, we're going to push and we're going to push them to do more than you know they think it's possible for them to do. You know, uh, and so we're going to do that. And I tell my team that all the time: you've got to lean in, you've got to be an entrepreneur, you've got to know your territory, you got to know your accounts. We're going to push you, but. I want to make sure the, the logic, the math makes sense of like how many accounts we're giving you, what the conversion rate is and all of that. And so so that's the piece to me that I've, I've sort of sometimes noticed is we make decisions without necessarily going deep enough into it. And, and you know, I think it's very common for leaders in a business to sort of speak from a very high level and say, we're going to do this, this and this. And so to me, that, that piece of it is really, um, it's not one thing. You know, you, I know you asked like, what's the one thing I caught in the, in the pipeline or in the business? It's more of just a level of detail to make sure that the conversion rate and the math makes sense, that it's rooted in some realistic outcome, right? That you need to have.
1: Yeah. And how to take action. It's to the point earlier with user conference. It's like, hey, this thing went really well. We saw a bunch of these big deals close. Like this was clearly something that influenced pipeline. Now what? Okay, what does this mean we're going to do more of these? Does this mean we're going to make next year's bigger? Do we need to do satellites? Do we need to do, you know, is it, was it the in person aspect of it? Was it just that we'd never got on a plane and met any of these people? And this was the first time because of COVID or something like it's just like all those secondary effects of like, why was this impactful and what is our thesis? And then how can we take actions that, you know, accelerate the things that are working and what the data is telling us? And then, you know, test and iterate. And if, you do one of these next time and it doesn't work. Well, it's like, oh, I wonder why that is, et cetera.
2: Yeah, it's drawing a direct correlation into some of these things. It, it's harder, right? It's harder. We've even done things where we've gone back and studied and asked customers, hey, how did you engage with us? Why did you engage? And and a, a lot of that, you know, it's not like, oh, you sent me this email and that's what did it. No, it it rarely is that, right? It's a it's, you know, are people in a buying cycle? Are they not in a buying cycle? Sometimes you're not in a buying cycle, but you're so frustrated with the solution you have that is breaking and it's causing impact that you finally make a decision. And so so it, it's really hard to sort of draw one specific things. I think, you know, the best that we try to do is to understand what are the most common things that happen and really focus on the few and try to make the best decisions possible based on the few examples that we see. But that's a hard piece of the job is figuring out where you should really invest your dollars and your focus. Any
1: blind spots that you feel like you you wish you could measure better?
2: Yeah, I think, you know, I came from Freshworks, which is in the sort of Sales cloud, service cloud space, right? Solutions that customer service organizations uh, run. And then at Iterable now, which you know, we work with a lot of marketers about how they communicate with our customers. And so a lot of companies already have solutions, right? You know, when we're going after a mid-market or an enterprise-sized company. They're not buying a marketing automation solution for the first time, right? They've had solutions. And so the blind spot, a lot of times, I mean, obviously, we believe we have the most modern, powerful platform that's built on all the new technology stack versus the legacy players. But understanding the blind spot probably for me would be when is the buying cycle, right? When is the right time that we should be speaking to this customer? if there was tool sets out there i mean there are tools out there that tell you they're running this legacy system and they're on a contract for another 2 3 years that doesn't mean that you prevent selling into that customer there's ways that you can you can work with that customer in this new department or new product division and you know get a land deal in that but i think that's the piece that's that's really you know if you're selling a solution that is replacing an old platform the you know, blind spots are when and how and where in the company you can get a footprint into that company to use your your platform. That's the piece probably that we still try to fine tune of like in your total addressable market, where should you go focus as the highest likely to convert? And that's probably the part that we we really spend a lot of time on, which we still don't have a clear path to right now.
1: All right, let's get to our final segment here. We're just going to do some quick hits.
2: Quick. 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 Quick.
1: quick questions and quick answers. Bobby, are you ready? Yes, I am. Number one, what advice would you have for
2: someone who is newly leading RevOps or go to market team? Listen and learn. If you're doing it for the first time, just observe and learn. Don't be quick to just make decisions.
1: Do you have a favorite book or podcast or TV show that you've been checking out recently that you enjoy? No, maybe I'll pick this one up. <laughs> Listen to some Rise of Rev Ops. I like it. It's great. A lot of good nuggets. If you were an animal,
2: what animal would you be? Oh, wow. Okay. It's something in the ocean, maybe a dolphin or something. Just, uh, I've always been sure. very intrigued by the depth of the ocean and what's possible because obviously a place that many of us have not gone. And so um, that's, yeah, I would say a dolphin. I like it.
1: Anything to plug. It's been awesome Uh, for our listeners. They can go to iterable.com to learn more. We'll link it up in the show notes. Any final thoughts for our audience here?
2: No, I, I mean, I guess the one thing I'd say you probably have a lot of practitioners, a lot of revenue ops, sort of, uh, practitioners and leaders. I guess what I would say is, you know, you guys have, uh, you know, a critical role in in the business, probably at least for a, from a CRO's perspective, probably the most critical role. And so, uh, just being a business partner for not only the CRO but the rest of the organization is something that I think is instrumental into a company's success. Being aligned around the business goals of the of the company, I think that that is a great place to be for a practitioner in revenue operations. Just partner, challenge yourself, challenge your own thinking, right? The data doesn't always give you everything. I think there's that, some instinctual things that you need to sort of focus on. But I think that's the, that's the piece I'd say continue to be a great partner for the CRO and other leaders in the organization. Bobby, it's been awesome having you on the show. Thanks so much and we'll talk soon. Great, thanks, again.
1: Thank you for listening to Rise of RevOps. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review and subscribe wherever you're listening. This podcast was created by the team at Qualified. The Pipeline Cloud is the modern way B2B revenue teams generate pipeline. Learn more at qualified.com.